0: Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. Well, glory to God. Welcome this morning uh, to Vessels of Honor. Uh, We will continue, or finish, I guess today, Gleanings, which was one of the easiest ones, I guess, to make a title for, because when you just go back and look at everything in your notes, you can pick anything you ever wanted. You know what I mean? I mean, literally, it's a free-for-all. Uh, you just got to look back through it and go, but um, the Lord has taken me in this, and uh, we've landed ourselves into a subject that he won't let me let off from last week, and, but let me, let me start here with opening in prayer. In, in Colossians 4, I'm just going to pray this prayer again that we prayed the very first time. In, in Colossians 4, 3 and 4, it says this, that, the, that God will open to us a door for the Word So that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ, that I may make it clear in the way I ought to speak. And so, Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for this door. We are the doors. Our hearts are open to you, Lord. We want your word to come and find itself deep-seated in the soil of our heart. We thank you, Father, that we can produce the the potential of that word out of our lives. We thank you, Father, that you are sowing it into us even now. And, Father, that these words will be spoken by me and received by the hearer, Lord, but they're not spoken by a man, but that they're spoken by you. That your spirit is upon it, that your unction is there, that your creative power is there, that, Lord, you've looked down through the eons and the centuries and the times that have been, and you've planned it and purposed it for this very hour, for our future, for our benefit, for we know that you are a good God, and there is nothing that you've ever withheld from us, but you emptied heaven, and, Father, may we see it today in our mind's eye as we receive it in our hearts, in Jesus' name, amen. Oh, glory to God. So we'll continue to glean here. Gleaning, of course, was that gathering together of information and pieces and parts and stuff like that. And, and you can get a hole out of it. You can find a living. You can find a sacrifice or a blessing. And we were talking about those things. And so we're looking in at these gleanings, how they had a purpose. These were deposits that were left or missed by a harvester. And they reflected God's mercy on humanity. When they were left out there. And so there's mercies, tender mercies loaded in the word of God and loaded in the teaching that we've received. And so we, we, we look at this and it's an assistance of provision, either a seed or food for poor widows, orphans and gleanings could be gathered and used as a grain offering even to the Lord. So he, he allowed you, I mean, when we hear about um, seed, it's either for food or for sowing, right? That's why you received the grain. So what are we doing? What are we partaking and holding dear? What has given us sustenance to go into the future? What has given us everything that we have need of? Because my God shall provide all my needs according to his riches and glory. So, I mean, he has provided, dumped out of heaven from his riches and glory. I mean, it's just he gave it to us and we have all this. And so there are things that we're taking for us and there's things that we're dispensing to others. You know, I mean, we are going to be a manifestation of Jesus Christ on the earth. And and it's hard to find what Jesus took from God for himself. He found things or talked with things and he revealed them to humanity. He didn't take them all for himself and appropriate them to himself. He appropriated them for us. So we too can see how we are to live. And so... Here's our review from last week. We, we looked last week at, at things that uh, it, it came from uh, Pastor Sean's sermon there where he said, what can ensnare you? What, what baits you? He had asked that question. And, so, um, and what the Lord had shown me in this weird, I don't even know how, because he literally did that that morning. Um, he showed me the three things that were possible idols that came. And it says the three possible idols that can get into your lives, either from your parents things that you were trained into, or from your spouse, things that you were married into, or from victories won, which is the sin of Ai, or Achan, sin of Achan when they took Ai. There are things that we've taken from these victories, we've taken from our parents, we've taken from the people that we've married into, or our spouses, and they become idols. Every one of them were things that we hid inside our homes and they covered them up, Um, Rachel would not get off that camel, not today, not going to tell anybody about stealing uh, the idols, you know, Uh, Achan, he didn't want to tell you that it was underneath the floor of his tent, and then Michael with David, you know, they covered it up underneath the blankets to make it look like a man, put some hair on it, some goat's hair on it, you know, it's right there, but they all had idols that were in their homes, and Idols aren't supposed to be covered. They're supposed to be exposed. And then we found that there was three other things, though, that we find that we have a tendency of keeping in not in secret, but we broadcast them to others. We talk about our giving. We talk about our prayer life. We talk about fasting. And we broadcast the things that were supposed to be done in secret out to others because we want the accolades or rewards of man. And all of them things are... They dial down to one thing. It's an idol. It's something that we esteemed above God's ways, and so we, we find that. And those were in Matthew. And so we tend to, as I we tend to put into public view, and doing so we remove the benefit or blessing that each is to bring in our lives of prayer, fasting, and uh, giving. We need to keep the secrets. In their correct places, or else we'll deny the glory or light of revelation in our lives. We got to keep our secrets in the right places. And so, we're going to look at this. The, the Lord, I, I'm going to get back to that. I got one little thing to slip in here. It's just how He's been doing it lately. Um, in 2 Timothy 1, verse 7, I'm just going to read this, and this is just a, an insert here. It says, "For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love, and a sound mind or discipline." Right? It depends on which version you have in front of you. Some of them will say discipline. Some of them will say sound mind. Well, we know disciplined race. I mean, we've been discipline's been a thing here lately. That's what's holding to us. And so, here's the thing. Um, I don't know. Do I just get to pick on anybody? Do I get to pick on them? Let's go with uh, Julia, Sky, and Bowen. Need you, Bowen. Come on. Right here. Right here. Go. Sky, can you come up here? Is that okay? Can I use you for a second? You don't want to? Okay, you're good. Mila, how about you step in? Julia? What? Yeah, I know. How good was I? Yeah. Okay, perfect. Right here. Right here. You can just turn around, Mila. Bowen, I'll take you front and center. Julia, right there on the corner. You see, this is how it, when you come back from camp, right? I mean, it just breaks you down. We're just getting you in early. Okay, so, so here it is. Now, Aaliyah, I need you to do math. Are you ready? Okay, how many is this? Okay, how many is this? How about this? Okay, and how many is this? But then, how many is this? three everybody got that okay bowen can you stand by julia for a second how many is this julia can you stand by mila for a moment how many is this oh it's not changing what if i move bowen over here by julia again how many is this okay you guys are awesome that was it (laughs) yeah no have a seat For God has not given us a spirit of timidity or fear, but he gave us one of power, love, and a sound or disciplined mind. So here's the thing. To disrupt or to beat fear, you must have all three components. Power, love, and a sound mind. You have to have all three No matter in what order or how you shake them up, if I removed one of those people, I didn't have three anymore. So the equal to doesn't work. And so we need, this is how it is, power, love, and discipline. Now, God is all-powerful. He's the authority structure. Authority only flows, though, by love. It's the character of the authority. And we already know that authority and love have to operate in a thing called obedience because it puts it all into the system. So if you don't have the person and you don't have the power and you don't have the system, you'll never break the fear. And so, discipline, God, because I can say that God is powerful, I can say that God is love, and I can say that God is disciplined. And I know that perfect love, which is God, casts out, that is authority, cast, to throw away, to put, that's an authority thing, all fear, which is not in the system, Perfect love casts out all fear. So we see discipline here is slow. How fast did God get angry with you? I, love is patient? Or is it long suffering? So, discipline is slow. Discipline is consistent. Did God say that it was okay, you know, to tell your little white lie today or to do this today and tomorrow he'll change his mind? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So, discipline is consistent. Discipline is planned. That's how you get obedience. He gave it to you beforehand so that you wouldn't be in error. See, that's the difference between grace and mercy. Grace means you didn't have an understanding or know about what you were doing. When, Like I've used the example, I like it. An eight-month-old baby crawls out in the street. You don't go spank it. That would be abuse. You wouldn't pick up that little thing and just... It's abuse. Now, when as a child gets older, you know, that two-year-old, that three-year-old goes to run out in the street, you would respond a little bit fast, but now what comes with it? More correction. Don't go out in the street. Do you understand why we're doing this? We're trying to protect you from these things. I want to establish your future. This is love. Love always looks into the future. It always hopes, always perseveres, always endures. Those are long-standing, time-related things because it's always. So God always looks into your future. So you correct the child. You show them their future. You show them the error of their way, and they go, now when they're five and they go out in that street... The dispensation of grace has been removed. And they now can choose between two things. Judgment or mercy. Which is, I know I did wrong and I'm sorry and I'll never do it again. And they will turn or repent from their wicked way. And they will never run out in that street again because they have been given knowledge. And that person that you trained, see, unless you've discipled, you can't discipline. So you have to train a child in the way they should go. Ooh, how many people are disciplining people they didn't train? How many people didn't train their children when they were young? So now it's time to do some Training. And and we're, we're, we're not doing what the word says. Train up a child in the way they should go, and when they're old, they'll not depart from it. Did we operate with slow, consistent, planned discipline? This is what discipline is not. Explosive. Now we've all been guilty. It's not impulsive. I've been guilty of these. This is not pretty. And it's not impromptu. That's not discipline. See, there's some people that go in there and they, they, they walk in and they're like, I dropped the hammer on them. i discipline. No, wh- okay, what is true discipline? True discipline, a discipline is something that somebody does for their diet, for their body, for their spirit, for growth. True discipline has to have teaching associated with it. If it doesn't give instruction, and it doesn't point you to something, you didn't discipline them, you abused them. Discipline has to have a purpose. And throwing down the law is not a purpose. Establishing the principle of that law. See... What did Jesus do when he came? He summed up the law and the prophets in this, that you would love one another. Because if I love you, I'm not going to steal from you. If I love you enough, I'm not going to lie to you. I mean, I don't want you to walk out with food on the side of your face or something stuck in your teeth because I care about how you look. I would rather engage you in a temporary displeasure for a long-term success. You know? So, discipline keeps emotional consistency, and so it's in your control. So, I loved it. One of the best, one of the best things that ever happened... For me, and I don't even know where it came from or how it showed up, but, um, and part of it may have been upbringing, things like that. But for me, disciplining my children um, was something that was very regulated, very structured, um, and uh, it, it wasn't, you can't do it out of anger. We would walk to the room. I mean, you can ask them all. They're all sitting here today. You can walk. We would walk to the. We we're going to go to a room. We would discuss the transgression. We would educate why it happened, what it was, how it violated the scriptures, what it did to the other person as well as from them. And then, ensuing disciplinary action would occur. And after such things. Repairing of the breached, you know, <laughs> you, uh, there had to be hugs, loves, and we'd walk out and we'd repent if needed to be repented. Now, I'm not saying that it happened every time, but I know that it happened way more often than not. They probably each have one or two good stories of dad smacking him when he shouldn't have, but they have way more stories of going to a room for a spoon. And so, in the odds of lottery, they got discipline correct, and uh, sometimes they won the lottery, and I lost my flesh in the process. Anyway, but discipline keeps emotional consistency. So true discipline always reflects the Father's character. Agape, the love of God. God is love. And God reflects himself upon humanity. God has not given us a spirit of timidity or fear, but a power and love and sound mind. So let's look here at 2 Timothy verse 1. Or not verse 1, chapter 1, sorry. 2 Timothy 1. There it <clears throat> and uh, I'll start in verse 8. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings. There's a key word right here. Share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling. Ah. Glory to God. You are saved and called with a holy calling. Not according to your works. Not according to my works. Praise the Lord. But according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before time began. So you've been purposed. You've been purposed, you've been purposed, you've been purposed, you've been purposed. Before time began, you've been formed in his eye. He looked down through the eternities and saw you right now. You were purposed and you weren't going to earn it. It's not by your works. It is according to his own purpose and grace, or divine ability. Verse 10, I'm going to skip it. But has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, to which I am appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles. For this reason I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. Verse 13, hold fast the pattern of sound words which you have heard from me. Holding fast is a disciplined thing. Sound words, this goes back to the first time when we were talking about gleanings. Attend to my words, listen to my words, lean into my words, treasure my words. Hold fast the pattern of sound words which you have heard from me in faith and love which are in Christ. That good thing or treasure which has committed to you, which was committed to you, keep by the Holy Spirit who dwells in you. Keeping is a disciplined word. If Adam would have stayed and kept the garden, then when the serpent came, he would have administered the authority that he was given because authority flows through, not to an individual. And the authority of God would have went through Adam to the serpent and God's authority would have drove him out. He gave it to Adam, but all Adam had to do was say, well, I'm not supposed to touch this. And I'm supposed to tend or keep this garden, which means, you know, something is going to disrupt it. And it came crawling in and whispered to his wife. And then again, he could have, understanding God and Levitical law and different things that he showed in himself is that. God could have, Adam could have absolved his wife through that same authority, removed that guilt from her, but he found it easier to keep his mouth shut, which is agreement. Kid walks up and slaps somebody, and you don't say nothing about it? You agreed with it. Adam agreed with his wife and that's how humanity lost out. He disagreed with God. He turned on what God had said. So, suffering is part He's mentioned suffering in here a couple times in disciplinary words as far as holding fast and keeping. But suffering is a part of endurance or testing. A test simply is to take measures to check the quality, performance, or reliability of something. So, do we test our children? and what is a healthy test? See, this is the thing. We've destroyed all these words. Satan's coerced the kingdom of God, if you would, and got in and lodged little blinders and put in deceptive practices and people don't even see what they're doing because they're like, "Oh, I'm tested. Oh, I'm being tested. I'm being But the thing is, is if you realize God's testing is always for promotion, Satan only tests for destruction. When Satan comes against you, he's going to kill, steal, and destroy. That is the answer to everything that he does. But when God has something in front of you, he's given you all provision to overcome that sin. You've never been tested in a way that any man has not been tested before. And Jesus himself was tested in every manner in which a man can be tested and yet without sin. And so provision has been given from heaven that we can overcome every test. So when God tests you, it's only for promotion. Understanding the tests. We need to understand these things. And so testing is to take measures to check the quality, performance, or reliability of something. Especially before putting it into widespread use or practice. Are we tested so we can go into widespread use or practice? I'm feeling tested in this. I'm feeling tested because God wants to use you. And if you'll learn how to get in the authority structure which allows it to flow from heaven, you'll release it into that area, into that testing, and you'll now be able to move into the next thing God has because He's got more authority coming through you because you aligned yourself with Him. You're not contrary to Him. or are fighting Him in your family, in your finance, and, and, and in your mind, and in your soul. So we find ourselves aligning with God and allowing the authority structure of heaven so that we can become a better and bigger impact upon this earth. So, a test. So other words for test would be to prove or a proof, to measure, to examine, to a trial. I'm going through a trial right now. I'm going through, you know, I I mean, God must be measuring me. Nobody says that though. We want to be focused on us with the test, not that God's measuring us. Or am I going to come out to the standard of God in Christ Jesus? Because He released all of it to me. I have full sufficiency. Will I reflect Him? The test is for my promotion. And so, things that, why do you got to have suffering? Why is it, why am I talking about endurance? Because diligence, endurance, and faithfulness are disciplines that keep you in the testing. And how much does the Word of God talk about diligence, or faithfulness, or endurance? Having done all to stand, stand therefore. I've run the test with all, or run the race with all diligence, or I've endured the cross. These these statements are sufferings. They're sufferings, and so they create the proof or evidence. Oh Lord, I love how he said this to me today. They create the proof or evidence that the final judgment rests on. Well done, thy good and faithful servant. This is where we get our final, the final say. And so, I'm going to go over to Hebrews chapter 3. I'm going to read out the uh, Passion Translation. I know sometimes you can follow along and sometimes you, you just don't. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 3, uh, verse 7. We'll just read this. This is what the Holy Spirit says. If, you, if only you would listen to his voice this day. Don't make him angry by hardening your hearts like your ancestors did during the days of their rebellion when they were tested in the wilderness. There your fathers tested me and tried my patience. Even though they saw my miracles for 40 years, they still doubted me. They ignited my anger with that generation and I said about them, they wander in their hearts just like they do with their feet and they refuse to learn my ways, my heart grieved over them. So I decreed they will never enter into the calming rest of my spirit. I love it how Pastor Sean has said it. God just allows you to make permanent the choice that you made. And when they refused to go into the, land, the promised land, he allowed that choice to become permanent in their life. Bruce was talking about free will earlier just today, and uh, it's true. I love it. Our free will is the strongest thing that has ever been on this planet. Ever. 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 A legion of demons can't stop one man from running to the feet of the master and bowing down and crying out for help. Your free will will overcome thousands of demons. It has that much power. It changes your life. It moves you from a kingdom of darkness to a kingdom of light. All you have to do is but align it with the authority structure of heaven. And it will come right down into your life. It will deliver you of bondages and sicknesses and diseases. It will set your mind free. It puts families together. It mends these things. You are not broken no more. All you have to do is say, not my will, but thy will, Lord, be done in my life. I've given you this ground. And yes, where every sole of my foot treads, I'm going to give it to you. I'll give you my finances. I'll give you my family. I'll give you my mind. I'll give you my free time. I'll give you my recreation. I'll give you my church. I'll give you my ministry. I'll give you my business. I'll give you everything that I have, Lord. And we allow Him in. See, God didn't want to kill these people. My heart grieved over them, so I decreed. And he had to make it permanent. What they chose by their will. Corinthians 13, don't tell me about the wrath of God or the vengeance of God. Those are things that come when somebody chooses their own will because they chose a destructive path. They chose a destructive path. Why does God say, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord? Because if you choose vengeance, you chose a path that's not God's. That's why discipline has to be done with emotional consistency. It has to be slow. It has to be consistent. It has to be uh, planned. Verse 12, so search your hearts every day, my brothers and sisters, and make sure that none of you has evil or unbelief hiding in you, for it will lead you astray and make you unresponsive to the living God. This is the time to encourage each other to never be stubborn or hardened by sin's deceitfulness. For we are mingled with the Messiah if we will continue unshaken in this confident assurance from the beginning until the end. For again the scriptures say, if only today you would listen to his voice. Don't make him angry by hardening your hearts as you did in the wilderness. The same people who were delivered from bondage and brought out from Egypt by Moses were the ones who heard and still rebelled. They grieved God for 40 years by sinning in their unbelief until they dropped dead in the desert. So God swore an oath that they would never enter into his calming place of rest, all because they disobeyed him. It is clear that they could not enter into their inheritance because they wrapped their hearts in unbelief. Now God has offered to us the same promise of entering into his realm of resting in confident faith. So we must be extremely careful to ensure that we all embrace the fullness of that promise and not fail to experience it. For we have heard the good news of the deliverance just as they did. Yet they did not join their faith with the word. Instead, what they heard didn't affect them deeply, for they doubted. When we go back and glean, when we look over the things the Lord spoke to us, will will we allow it to affect us deeply? Will we give it that think time? Will we take it upon ourselves and esteem the word of God? Verse 3 of chapter 4. For those of us who believe, faith activates the promise and we experience the realm of confident rest. For he has said, I was grieved with them and made a solemn oath, they will never enter into the calming rest of my spirit. God's works have all been completed from the foundation of the world, for it says in the scriptures, From the foundation of the world. Oh, I love it. And on the seventh day, God rested from all his works. And again, as stated before, they will never enter into my calming place of rest. Those who first heard the good news of deliverance, they came out of Egypt. Those who first heard the good news of deliverance failed to enter into that realm of faith's rest because of their unbelieving hearts. What is causing our disruption? What is allowing these idols in our lives? Unbelief. We just don't believe God. That's how those things come. Because He said He's the all sufficient one. And if we do, like, it's just how He showed it to me. If I declare His inefficiency, or dysfunction, or need in my life. I mean, he knows my needs. I'm just supposed to ask. But we have tendencies of declaring our needs instead of his provision. So we're denying his right to live in our lives. We are a long ways from done. And we are out of time, but I'm going to do something for a close. <laughs> Glory to God. Oh, okay, got it. We got it. God is so good. Unbelieving. Uh, uh, anyway, unbelievably good. Okay, because, I'm going to start with verse 6. Those who first heard the good news of deliverance failed to enter into the realm of rest, of face rest, because of their unbelieving hearts. Yet the fact remains that we still have the opportunity, glory, to enter into the faith rest life and experience the fulfillment of the promise. This is good news. Here it is. Here it's coming. It's coming. It's going to get even better. For God still has ordained a day for us to enter into called today. Today. So here's the beauty of it. Here's the greatest thing that ever happened. Right now. Right now. RIGHT! now is the beginning of the rest of your life. You'll never get another moment. You can't go back into your past. Your history is history. It's gone, but let's make it his story about what he did in redemption to us and through our lives. Right now, we take everything that we did in our past, all the faults, all the problems, all the lies, all the everything, all the trash that Satan has mounted up and we take it and we throw it behind us because from this day on there's a day called today and I I can walk into the fullness of what God has for me. I can take every benefit, every blessing, everything from heaven, and I can become a vessel, a vessel of honor, a glass to be poured out, an offering before the Lord that I can show his blood and body on this earth that we will line up with the authority structure of heaven and we'll minister what heaven has and we will see that the things we bind on earth have already been bound in heaven and the things that have been loosed in heaven we can loose on earth and we will operate in flow and in tandem with the Holy Spirit and we will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Glory to God. Glory to God. Okay, now we can pray. Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord. For your spirit and for your word. We thank you for your power. Lord, show us those things that we can take out of our lives, those little idols, those little things, those those lies of religion, those deceptions that have crawled in on us, Lord God, that we'll become more and more free. Father, we want to align with you. We want to become more and more in one with you. We want unity. We want you to flow. Lord God, not that I live, but that Christ lives in me. We thank you, Father, for your power, for your might, for your Holy Spirit that teaches us, for your word that sits before us. And we thank you, Lord, for pressing that word into the soil of our hearts, today, and that, Lord, we may grow and grow and grow, and we will be the blessing on this earth that you've called us to be, and we'll bring glory to your name. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com